Ten minutes earlier, the dawn was breaking placidly. The sunrise rose fresh and bright orange over the silently sleeping eastern coast of the Sea of Galilee. The boat was quietly drifting toward that stretch of shoreline. All but three of the disciples were fast asleep, sprawled out, totally out. The three awake were guiding the boat in toward the shore. Jesus was still asleep on his stern cushion. The nighttime experience of being caught up in the storm, watching him rise, calm the storm, is approximately the only thing these three awake are thinking of. Peter is on the rudder. James is attending to the sail. John is forward, leaning his elbow upon the stubby bowsprit. He stands to his feet as the forward hull approaches the gravelly shallows. Ten years before, a man unknown to these men was living his life, going about the everyday mundane details that made up his everyday mundane life. He lived in a town just above this eastern shore. He had been drifting his way through life, not too settled upon any course of action. He was, you might call it, asleep to the life of God. He wasn't particularly irreligious. No, the reality was he was just about as disinterested as almost everyone else in the surrounding countryside. He just didn't see, he would say, the point in it all. Which was why it was so alarming to everyone he knew when he suddenly grew so interested in those occultish books and learnings he became so proud of. Which was only shortly before he suddenly disappeared from his home on a certain night and became that horrific figure who lived among the tombs. So, Ten years after that night, only ten minutes after this day's sunrise, the disciples and Jesus arrived on the other side of the lake in the country of the Gerizines. The scraping of the beaching shook the whole boat awake. The three fishermen enjoyed every second of the next few moments. How those who'd leaned their heads against their cloaks against the gunnels were jostled forward and barely caught themselves from taking funny little tumbling falls. How everyone shook their heads swiftly side to side as if to imply, did I fall asleep for a minute or two? How, looking back, Jesus was shaking out his cloak, unrumpling its length and putting it on with the same morning zest he always did. This day was looking bright, and potentially very relaxing. All the crowds, after all, had been left on the western shore. Here, in the east, the only sounds were the sounds of the waves breaking and receding, that sound echoing against the cliffs dead ahead. Just to the south from there, a narrow trail ran up through a grassy meadow, possibly a graveyard from the look of it, and some of the disciples started walking up that way. But as Jesus was getting out of the boat, a man in the grip of an evil spirit rushed to meet him from among the tombs where he was living. His descent was marked by the strangest, non-peaceful morning sound you could ever possibly imagine. To, To the disciples up ahead, already walking up the trail from the beach, it was this guttural sound like an 
animal uh, snorting and snuffling. Down where Jesus was, it was the faintest sound of an echoing down the valley. Hard to place what it could possibly be. And here the man comes, rushing downward. Anyone from the town above could tell you his whole story. It was no longer possible for any human being to restrain him, even with a chain. They had certainly tried that. Indeed, he had frequently been secured with fetters and lengths of chain, but he had simply snapped the chains and broken the fetters in pieces. No one could do anything with him. All through the night, as well as in the daytime, he screamed among the tombs and on the hillside and cut himself with stones. And here he comes, down the narrow winding footpath, down toward the shoreline, as Jesus ascends toward him. The man's hair is long and matted and nasty. He is naked except for a loincloth. His, his whole body is a mass of scars and blood. He screams and grunts and, and grimaces as he comes down the hill. Jesus continues to ascend upward. Now, as soon as this man saw Jesus in the distance, he ran and knelt before him, yelling at the top of his voice, What have you got to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? For God's sake, don't torture me! For Jesus had already said, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Now, before we continue on, it's important for the sake of what's coming to understand the layout we've been presented here. They're about halfway up the meadow toward the lower edge of the graveyard. All of the tombs are now visible up ahead. To the north, to their left, the hillside continues to roll upward, and then at its westernmost edge, the cliff drops off, perfectly vertical. On the top of that section of the cliff, the hillside, right by the cliff's edge, is a lazily grazing herd of pigs in their two sleeping swine herds. And right here is a demon-possessed man kneeling before the incarnate God, and that God's friends cowering behind him. And just to remind you, overnight, that God incarnate had hushed a storm with the power of his whisper only. It's important that you continue to remember that very recent detail. Then Jesus asked the man, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for there are many of us. Then he begged and prayed him not to send them out of the country. The disciples nearly disappear from existence. They are so huddled into Jesus' back. Now, a large herd of pigs was grazing there on the hillside, and the evil spirits, plural, implored him, Send us over to the pigs, and we'll get into them. Jesus glances over in that direction. The pigs are grazing hungrily in the tall grass on the clifftop. A pair of swine herds are asleep, leaning against a pair of trees. The whole scene is peaceful, apart from this man before him. So Jesus allowed them to do this, and they came out of the man and made off and went into the pigs. All the disciples saw was the demon-possessed man before them suddenly lean to the side and then fall to the ground. 
His whole body went totally limp. But the whole herd of about 2,000 pigs suddenly stampeded down the cliff into the lake and was drowned, which looked precisely like this. At the very moment that Jesus extended his hand, the man fell to the ground, and then all at once, all the pigs all screamed. The entire herd screamed as one. And then all at once, they, all of them, all 2,000 pigs in the herd turned as one and began running insanely. They ran in perfect unison all toward the westward and again as one flew directly off the clifftop. Start to finish, this whole thing took 10 seconds. The swine herds took to their heels and spread their story in the city and all over the countryside, which looked like this. Two terrified men running into the hilltop town, screaming into the morning stillness about that man and our pigs and that other. Everyone comes outside from their breakfasts. They are immediately alarmed to see the look in those two men's eyes. Then the people came to see what had happened. As a mass, they come walking out toward the cliffs. And as they approached Jesus, they saw the man who had been devil-possessed sitting there properly clothed and perfectly sane, the same man who had been possessed by legion. And seeing him like that, they were really frightened. For here's a man they've all seen before, a genuinely terrifying, demon-possessed-seeming individual having a quiet morning conversation with a stranger. And here's the disciples of that stranger watching them having that conversation with a look in their eyes of total shock and amazement. And over there, over off to the right, are the evidences that thousands of living creatures used to be standing there, mowed down grass, hoof prints in the mud, etc. While... If one of the crowds uh, walked over to the cliff's edge and looked down below, all they'd see are 2,000 carcasses floating in the morning wind tide. A feeling of fear passes through the hearts of all the townspeople. Those who had seen the incident told them what had happened to the devil-possessed man and about the disaster to the pigs though admittedly they'd only caught the tail end of that action, waking as they'd been from their morning siesta. Then the people of the Gerizines began to implore Jesus to leave their district. I mean, truth be told, they were many. He and his disciples were only a few. They bodily forced this group of strangers off their shoreline. They took hold of them and physically walked them down the cemetery trail back to their boat beached below the cliffs. The bodies of the pigs are stacking up against the beach. And as Jesus was embarking on the small boat, the man who had been possessed begged that he might go with him. In fact, he practically assumed that this was the only proper response for one who'd been set free from darkness and death. He'd been halfway into the boat already, one leg thrown over the rim when he happened to catch Jesus' eye. 
Jesus would not allow him to come along. Go home to your own people, he told him, and tell them what the Lord has done for you and how kind he has been to you. So the man went off and began to spread throughout the ten towns the story of what Jesus had done for him. And they were all simply amazed. One more scene, ten years later. A middle-aged father is sitting on the floor of his comfortable one-room house, playing a game with his three little children. His wife is off on a walk with some friends. It's the end of a lovely evening. The sunset colors are dying off. And the oldest of the three, a girl who is the pride of her father's heart, suddenly decides that she'd like to hear it again. Tell us the story, father, she says suddenly. The story of what, my girl? The story of Jesus of you, how it was, what it was like, how he made you well, and like this. The middle-aged father smiles, leans back against the legs of his chair, and for the thousandth time, tells the story again. 